Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is that time. You are tuned into the right radio station. This is WWW. Oh, I already messed that up. <laughs> this is Game Dev Unchained, the podcast. I'm your host, Larry Charles. I meant to say something like, this is KTEW, you know? Anyway, yeah. uh, I brought my best friend along to give you another wonderful half of a podcast, Mr. Brandon Fam. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, this is me, Brandon Fam, and uh, this week, uh, it's just going to be Larry and I cozying up uh, by the mic to talk about <laughs> GDC. So, uh, how you doing, Larry? Two guys, one mic. <laughs> well. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. Um, so, this week, uh, we gonna are going to talk to you <laughs> and recap about yeah. last week. Uh, we had a lot of response, actually. Feedback. So, what's been... <laughs> so uh, I mean, how how'd you feel about everything? Well, I enjoyed last week's episode. I feel like we covered the gamut. We had three different perspectives on salary negotiations, tips, tactics, and positioning. But, uh, you know, we, we had some great feedbacks and pat on the bats. And then we had, you know, some responses that were a little, I guess, uh, explicitly encouraging <laughs> is the best way to describe it. <laughs> well, we always want to remind our listeners that uh, listeners' discretion is advised but uh, we always try to find a way to come at it at different perspectives uh, and share full-heartedly our uh, journey throughout the industry. And when it comes to salary, there's definitely different tactics like anything else, any other topics. And uh, you know, we, we, we present ways that has worked for us. So uh, if any way that can help you um, make a better choice when it comes to negotiating at the table, we highly encourage you to do so. And that's one of the reasons why, uh, which leads to our next thing, um, that we created a website. Uh, If you go over there, www.gamedevunchained.com, we've always wanted to extend the conversation uh, for our podcast. We, of course, have the Facebook page, but we are growing to... Uh, at least uh, to appropriately have a stage to discuss these topics more than just a few sentences here and there. So we encourage you to go over there, check it out, and let's talk uh, yeah. and provide more and more uh, industry advice. Yeah, so keep in mind, you know, we haven't really had a direct connection with the audience besides Twitter or Facebook. And so with this website, every episode will have underneath it just the opportunity to have comments go back and forth between us and people listening to the podcast. And we made the website because it also unifies the audience because right now we have people listening on iTunes, we have people listening on SoundCloud, and you know, uh, other people may be listening through Facebook shares or whatever. But 
it's hard to track all the comments on multiple platforms and then have engaging discussions, especially if a poignant point gets made on one of those platforms that the other two doesn't get to see. So with Game Dev Unchained, the website, you know, we are going to be able to track all the conversation. We can have extended talks on any of the episodes that we've posted. So if we missed a point, we can go back and highlight something. Or if you guys have special requests or just want to bring feedback, all of it's going to be welcomed on Game Dev Unchained, the website, which is www.gamedevunchained.com. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, like, just to close up uh, from our last week's uh, discussion about salary negotiations, I mean, Larry, is there anything else that I'm, I'm sure you got hit up by a lot of people? Like, is there anything additionally that you felt was good advice that we didn't quite cover? Uh, I will say in the email that we got, there was one point that was very interesting was uh, that we didn't really mention in the episode was the deflection tactic of like, so, you know, Mr. Larry Charles, how much is it going to take to get you to come join our company? And then you're supposed to like sidestep that and be like, well, at this time, let's not talk about salary. Let's, you know, like deflecting, not being the first person to say a number basically and trying to creatively dodge being asked exactly how much you want to make and usually the strategy behind that is you don't necessarily know where their cap is and so you may say it's 79,000 and they may have been thinking 89,000 and you know you left $10,000 on the table you know um so yeah some people you know actually do go that route because they feel like they're not being greedy they're just being opportunists right like the studio is creating the opportunity in saying their low number or their high number and then you get to then play ball after that so that's one tactic and me personally i actually i I used to do that but i don't anymore i find that i'm more happy when i just know exactly what i'm going to be looking for and i tell them that you know there's no Ooh, if I don't say anything, like maybe I can get an extra five grand. It's like I really just yeah. I don't even have time. Just I want this. Can you do that? Yes or no? Yeah, I I agree. I mean, you should go in knowing a number that you are happy with, and you got to live or die by that number. Because I feel at a certain point, if you're in, during the negotiation, and I ask you, hey, how much exactly did you make last time? It's like I don't want to talk about that. It's like all right. Really, man, how how yeah. much? Uh, you know, I don't I don't really want to tell you. It's like, well, what's wrong with you, man? Just tell me what you how much you make. Yeah. At a certain point, you should go like, hey, you know, for this position, for what I need to do, I feel this number is the only way I will accept this yeah. this offer. Right. So I think it's way better just to state what you want and just live and die. Even if you leave, you know, that much on the table or whatever, it, you should be fine with it because you analyze the job description and the job that you're about to do, you should be happy with the number that you're about to propose. So, yeah. And it's really, it. I think if anything, when you go to the negotiating table, you just got to be confident. Mm-hmm. And uh, the shorter the conversation is, the better, in my opinion, as far as confident goes. You go in there and you make statements, right? You don't kind of dodge around. Yeah, yeah, you don't ask for anything. You just make statements like, hey, this is how much I'm going to actually uh, want to do this job for you. Yeah, and um, and I feel like that's probably the best way to go about it. When I think about using deflection and you know, kind of getting them to be the first ones to to set the ball as far as negotiation goes, I feel like that's a very strong tactic for people who may find that they're not very. And I don't, I don't want to use the word confrontational, but you know what I mean. Like someone yeah. who doesn't really feel like negotiating is their strong point. You yeah. know, they kind of get nervous when they know that they're asking outside of their range or something like that then having them, you know, kind of set things in motion is great. 
So if you find that, you know, you don't really deal well with like tense negotiation or like, you know, those like mental chess matches between yourself and the money guy, uh, then deflection could definitely help you at least have the starting point and then you can be comfortable or uncomfortable with that and then work from there. So I can see that working in a, in a case like that. Yeah. Um, I'm always the one trying to gain control (laughs) in a conversation and, If there's a certain point that I want to uh, go to, I, I definitely um, want to get to that as fast as possible without having to, I don't know. When it comes to negotiation for, for me, it's like the next negotiating that I have to do, the better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I come in wanting a certain thing and it's not like bending too much to their will, right? Because... Uh, in a way, you're kind of coming at it maybe at opposite ends of the spectrum, right? And like any workplace, you know, ideally you want them to come at you with like the best market price ever. But I think in a way, if you think of it uh, with the mindset of them trying to get you as you know as low as possible, right? If they can get you as low as possible, that'd be great for them. And you just kind of come at the other side of the spectrum and meet in the middle, right? So uh, just go in, know the number, do your research, right? You know, Glassdoor is a great resource. Uh, I think that's one of the things we forgot to mention. You know, I think one of the first things professionals uh, and students should do before going into the job is just go on Glassdoor's. Check the salary <laughs> average of because a lot of people do do list their salaries yeah. anonymously, right? And that gives yeah. you a ballpark uh, at least to start off with. It doesn't really mean like there's an average uh, all the time on Glassdoor, and that's the exact. I, I know places that actually pay a lot more mm-hmm. or or less than they list because it's just a few individuals, right? So it ranges, but at least it gives you a kind of an idea, right? Going in. Yeah. Uh, even if there is like an industry standard that the industry should abide to, there's some companies they pay better or worse uh, based off of the area, based off you know the types of games that they make. Yeah. So sure. I would, yeah, I would say check Glassdoor if you have friends that works there who don't mind. Uh, and uh, you know, some some artists are more generous at, about telling, and some will guard it like the holy grail <laughs> it just depends you just gotta fish around a bit he's like hey how much around this position you know they, they would make you know, at this company and yeah. some some are more gracious than others so yeah that's it All i right. mean we can definitely extend the conversation like i said uh go to that episode uh on our website www.gamedevunchained and any further tips uh, would be great. Just list it there. Or if you have any questions that you would want us to cover on that particular topic, just go to that episode and let's have that conversation. All right. Now let's swing things into what the topic of this week's episode is. Some of you may know because you're already up there. Some of you may not. But by the time this podcast goes live, which is right now because you're listening to it already, but um, it is GDC time. And GDC stands for Game Developers Conference. It is the one time a year where all of the top of the top game developers and everyone else gets together in San Francisco and drinks beer, goes to seminars, 
gives out swag, tries to recruit jobs, shows off portfolios, talks about the game industry, you know, shows off their latest and greatest lighting technology algorithms, and <laughs> we we just have a ball. It's like our, our biggest fraternity party once a year, the Game Dev Conference in San Francisco at the Moscone Center. So what's the difference between GDC and E3, Larry, for, for first-timers that haven't been there? So what I find with E3 is E3 is like – a bravado show that's everybody peacocking showing off their game trying to get press trying to get customers excited about software that is very close to launching or maybe at most a year away except for maybe Bat- batman arkham knight i think they had two e3s before they before they launched right, right. Um, you know no disrespect i just thought it was funny <clears throat> so e3 is definitely more like a, a consumer show more so than it is like a developer conference and literally that's the difference with gdc it's the developers conference so you talk about you know moving on your profession as far as you know there's like game jams there's uh you know seminars run by top level artists at different companies who are going to show you you know their post modems or their breakdowns of how they achieved specific looks on their game or how they achieved you know certain frame rates given that they were doing x y and z with their platforms you know the game developers conference is like the game industry giving back to the game industry which is actually something that we don't do a lot because we're all competing against each other so we're nice for one week a year we share our secrets and then we go back to our little closets and our our caves and our dungeons and we develop our games for the rest of the year but also GDC is a wonderful time of year if you've spent at least like three years in the game industry and maybe worked at one or two different companies because there's a high likelihood that you're going to run into people that you've worked with before who you haven't seen in a while. And that's another reason why I use the term fraternity party because every time I go to GDC, it's like, oh, shit. Every time I go to GDC, sorry, I had a call. Every time I go to GDC, I'm like walking down the street like, oh my God, what's up, dude? Haven't seen you in years. Like, oh my God, hey, girl, haven't seen you in X. How's this going? How's that going? What are you doing now? How's this? How's that? You know, it's it's awesome to have all of your old friends and colleagues in one location with plenty of bars and restaurants within walking distance. It's the, it's the most wonderful time of the year for game developers. Yeah, I agree. I remember my first experience distinctly uh, going to GDC is going to learn, going to uh, actually get a job. I mean, E3 is great, but it's more for like uh, press and to show what what's coming. It's it's a better place for fans than for developers. So uh, also, you know, being in San Francisco um, versus LA, there's a big difference. Uh, those differences being. Uh, you uh you were bump into different type of bums. <laughs> <laughs> uh so you know, us working in downtown LA, uh Larry and I can speak more on that. But uh overall GDC is definitely a great place if you're a student looking for a job and looking for professionals to connect, uh as well as developers who are looking to maybe you know, hang out and uh, meet old friends as well as getting jobs yeah. and, and learning new techniques. So, uh, I mean, just glancing over, right? As you can tell, Larry and I aren't at GDC this year, but uh, <laughs> looking at the topics. Wait, how did they know? <laughs> <laughs> or are we going to put some uh, chatter in the back and maybe we can just fake it off? Some walla. <laughs> But like I feel like this topic, if anything, is uh, the biggest thing that's eclipsing, eclipsing uh, the the fan base and developers alike is the rise of VR. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just nothing 
else. It's the new frontier for game developing. And as far as frontier goes, Larry, uh, how is your position on uh, VR versus AR? Because a couple of episodes ago, you were strongly in uh, in favor of AR, which is augmented reality. Yeah, I I still am really excited about the ideas and the things that we can achieve with augmented reality because I feel like those types of gaming experiences I haven't had an opportunity to really see uh, come to fruition. You know, we've seen very limited like, oh, there's a game layer on the world with my iPhone, and if I'm in this GPS location, I can do X, Y, and Z. But I've never really had like the screen on the sc- on my face that like was implementing you know information and cool features in my real world. I'm still excited about that, but. <laughs> Brandon uh, convinced me to try the, uh, what was it, the Valve Vive? Yeah, the Vive. The Vive. By, by Valve, yeah. Yeah, our studio has one. And so, you know, I tried it out. And I'm I'm really upset with myself for saying something so foolish like I was more excited about AR than VR. <laughs> After I tried the Vive, I was immediately sold. Now, it's not without its problems, but... Even with just converting experiences that I've already played or had and the way that I was able to interact with, uh, you know, this world through the vibe completely changed how I feel about VR. I am more excited about VR than AR because I, I, I'm telling you, I put on this, this headset and I had my little hand trackers and the first example, the first demo I did was the, uh, like, it's like repair the robot or something. Right. I'm kind of just in this room and, you know, this robot comes in and needs to be repaired. And it wasn't really like a game, I would say. It was more like an experience. It was a VR experience. But I knew that I was in a game world and every little motion and thing that I did, like it perfectly tracked with my head. And, you know, I was able to focus on things close or far away as I was moving through the environment. And as I moved my head closer to very small things, their detail just became bigger. And I mean... All I, I, it only took a second, and I was like, holy shit, there are so many cool things that I could do with this. And I just went crazy, like, dreaming up ideas, like, for the rest of that day. It was, uh, it was quite an experience. It was like, I mean, I don't know, man. It's like first kiss, first date, first car, and first dirty magazine all rolled up into one. It oh, was, yeah. It was, oh, man, I had such, it was such an endorphin dump that I... Like, I completely switched my perspective. Uh, I'm VR. I want to see VR do amazing things, and I cannot wait to save up an extra 900 bucks <laughs> so that I can own a Vive. Well, I mean, you've tried the Oculus before, right? Yes, so before when you made that opinion, you tried the Oculus and you tried AR, so you had, like, a formulated opinion. What What makes the difference between this and then the Oculus? What was the biggest difference? So I tried the Oculus when it first came out. And so we're talking like, I think the screen was maybe 720. Yeah. Uh, I could see the dots, you know, uh, the refresh rate wasn't fast enough so that if I was turning my head laterally too quickly that I wouldn't see like the fade on the side of the screen. Um, and then, you know, they didn't really have hand tracking as good as what the Vive did. I forgot if there was even hand tracking or not. No, it was just yeah, a straight Yeah, I think it was just keyboard. the head. Yeah, oh man. Oh, it's the Vive is so impressive. It really is. The only thing I could think of that would improve that thing is like some sort of small camera on the on the edge, basically on the outside of my mask. That if I hit a button, I can see my real environment. 
Yeah. Because you're not always going to be playing that with other people around, you know, but you may be in an environment where you have things that you need to look out for or, you know, you may just want to check on what's going on in the room. Like, you know, maybe you're you're a father at home with your baby who's in the crib and you just want to hit the button real quick and just look and see that, you know, everything's okay, the baby's still sleeping and then you can go back to repairing your robot or something because you have yeah. headphones on too. Yeah. So you are completely separated from your real environment. So I would love it if the vibe just had a quick way to just kind of at least see what was going on in real life and then right. go back to, you know what I mean? Yeah. What was very impressive when I tried it on was uh, the, of course, the hand tracking, so you can actually see your hand in your virtual yeah. world uh, as you put it in front of the the the, the headset, yeah. as well as the, like the the camera tracking that you uh, two camera trackers that 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 measures the the room that you're in so it was really cool especially for that robot demo that it maps the room to to your physical room so when i was approaching that little that shelf to pull something out i was actually to the wall yeah and i was pulling something from the wall and it's just like oh man it really did feel like that time when neo went back into the matrix knowing it was the matrix and morpheus was like teaching him yep. all these things, it, 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 like as an artist, all these ideas started coming yeah. because the 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 it, it really broke it down to the most fundamental part of game development that I love, which is the interactivity, yeah. right? And w- even us standing in that room with our headsets and our head uh, uh, headphones on, it, 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 I forgot where I was for a second. Like I was staring at the robot, I was looking down and as I was sitting I was actually viewing from from the crouch position and I I mean as a designer I'm sure you were just mentioning that ideas were just running at you uh in a way that 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 you know just you discovering what 2D graphics to 3D graphics uh, that transition was like as a designer how did you feel right away like what kind of ideas was coming at you so here if I've ever preached death to the console ever before in my life, I am like pastor, choir, and deacon right now. <laughs> like death to the console because here's what I felt like. I felt like if I honestly felt like this should have been PlayStation 4, Xbox One jump. You know what I mean? Like as a consumer, we kind of got used to this like holy crap, like mind blowing yeah. jump from Nintendo to Super Nintendo, Super Nintendo, to Nintendo 64. And then PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 2 to then PlayStation 3. And then PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 3. Like, we're not... Now, yeah, I, I didn't sh- quit, yeah, I yeah. agree. I didn't feel quite that jump either. Yeah. Now, I know there's engineers everywhere slamming their mouse and their coffee mugs on the table. Like, do yeah. you have any idea how yeah. much superior... I get it. I get it. Don't get me wrong. All I'm saying is, like, the jump that I get from going from, like, Xbox 360 to Xbox One to then think about this oculus level or this this valve vive or the you know the samsung gear like after trying the vibe that's what i was looking for from a consumer video game product that would consider itself quote unquote next generation yeah i was experiencing gaming in a way that had immersion like i had never experienced before the ability to be completely surrounded by my game in 360 degrees in all, well, that's just in one direction. So I don't know what the math would be for like 360, 360, 360 on all axes. Spherical, oh. spherical influence. All <laughs> around. A, yeah. All around. <laughs> I, I was so excited about the potential opportunities of just being completely immersed in entertainment. Now think about this. 
if I was Disney and Pixar, right, like who makes 3D movies, could you imagine, like if you're filming a movie, that's one thing. Like I don't want to see a filmed movie on a 3D camera because, you know, you start to get that sketched, that stretched perspective if you like move too close or too far away from yeah. the actors, you know, because they were filmed with stationary 3D cameras. But with Disney movies, Pixar movies, DreamWorks movies, they're actually building the entire 3D world, more or less. Like, I'm sure there's still a lot of shortcuts that they take when they know, like, you're not going to see behind this building or you're not going to see on the other side of this mountain. But for the most part, like, the whole world is built. Right. So, like, imagine a kid watching Frozen for the first time in VR, right? Like, they can watch it from any angle. They can be any character in the audience. They can, like, be in the world of this movie. And now you're getting so much more replay value out of this experience because you can watch it, then you can watch it from a different angle, then you can look at different things as the movie's going on. You know, it's the same story. It's the same environment. But there's so much to focus on if you can actually be part of it that it, like, that $20 Blu-ray is now worth, like, 100 bucks because you may get five or six playthroughs out of it before you're like, okay, I've seen everything I could possibly see, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it opens up the whole entertainment medium. Yeah. And it's great for game developers because now movie guys have to learn what it takes to be <laughs> technically limited yeah. to things, which is exciting, right? Yeah. Because, of course, we're going to work off the game engines to make any movies, to make sure everything is real-time and all this stuff. It just really evolves our entertainment business as a whole with this type of technology. And, you know, Oculus already knows what's up. You know, they have the Facebook money, and now they're they're making, like, a Pixar-like movie short. Um, what is it? What's with the hedgehog? The hedgehog in the room, like, it's his birthday or something, right? Yeah, yeah. But what what's exciting about the Vive that is, I feel, differentiating from the Oculus is the fact that it's a video game developer first, which mm-hmm. is Valve behind the whole technology. And, you know, with Valve reputation, with Valve's, like, endless, endless uh, <laughs> talented of, you know, game developers oh. who are just sitting around. I thought and, you were going to say endless money. Endless money. <laughs> and their money. But, I mean, like, Oculus have money behind them as well. Yeah. But it, it's great to have a game developer like Valve who is dedicated to their own headset uh, to create experiences first, Mm-hmm. Um, instead of like this whole social networking, which is what people are are afraid of with the Oculus and where they're taking it, yeah. Um, and and it's just the added the added uh, immersiveness, right? They didn't just copy the Oculus and like, yeah. hey, me too, but they like really thought it through. It's like, uh, fuck it, man, let's go all the way. Let's yeah. let's create uh, these controllers that you can use as hands in the virtual world. Let's not just keep the player at once one spot let's have them move around yeah. at, at, at like a pre-designated area so that they can actually go around in the world if they choose to right i mean like we were talking about certain ideas you know you're limited to a space and there are ways around it but you can't walk down fully down a hallway at, in the, yeah. because you're, you're going to run out of space and you're going to run into things but like the the limited uh physical space will I feel anytime you you limit the player in a creative way, uh, the designer or or artist will think of creative ways to implement it. But I think as a start, to have that that space to at least walk around and look at things, Mm -hmm. like (laughs) the simple thing of me just looking up at the ceiling at the details or crouching down and looking at the robot and, and me picking up things in the world with my hands and pulling things out, it was just so good when I wasn't doing anything. 
Like yeah. it's like it's it's finally um it's finally something that that uh not doing anything is 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 actually fun. I mean, we have games Dude. like that, but like it's 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 like it's moving beyond just you having to shoot things. Do you remember when I had the headset on and I was just in the gray room and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, yeah. I was in the I was in the room that you're in before you load the experience. The menu, <laughs> and you just see like grid lines in this gray room. Yeah. And all I did was like look around and just feel how responsive it was, and I would move like I would move my body forward, I would lean forward and back, and like the screen was updating exactly how I was expecting it to work in real life, just with that virtual screen. Yeah. Before they even played anything, I was hooked. It, it's that simple. Like I, you get it right away. Yeah. Yeah. I want to. I swear, I want to quit my job and just start a company making VR stuff. <laughs> I'll do. Well, I mean, it's 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 an experience yeah. that theme parks would charge you mm-hmm. to go in line and and and. They, and just have a room full of these things and mm-hmm. just have these VR experiences uh, like any theme park would have. Yeah. But now it's available at home. And yeah. uh, in a way, yeah, I mean, it's a very niche market still because it's $1,000, um, which really isn't that much if you think about what kind of you know doors it's opening up yeah. for the entertainment business. But it is hefty, right, for the regular consumer to just go out there and Sure, buy. right now it's hefty. It is. but It's a start. Yeah, like... The first PlayStation was like five hundred bucks when it first came out, and then by the time they had made like seven million of them, it came down to like three ninety nine, two ninety nine. You know? Yeah. So it's very promising that it's starting at one thousand. Mm-hmm. It's sold out, by the way. So they priced it just right. Yeah. So as soon as developers are making cool experiences, and I, I think they're just like one mall away from showing it off, just having regular people like just standing there, mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, try it on. You kind of like have those Microsoft. They, they have it in the middle of the mall trying their little uh, – yeah. with the camera and stuff. A little kiosk. Have, exactly. You have it set up and people will get it, man. That's because it's it's that type of thing where you just put on the headset and you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, what I'm looking forward to is think about games that like – that have mega, mega, mega like super fan bases like Harry Potter, right? Take the Harry Potter world. Yeah. You know, they built like some sort of like 10, 15 – I don't know how much money. I'm just going to I'm just going to guess like maybe 30 40 million dollar development at like Disney World to make like Harry Potter land, you know what I mean? Yeah. You could have spent a tenth of that making the 3D version with characters with the voices with the actors from the movie like get all of that nailed down. Well, actually once we start extending like the con- Anyway, sorry. I'm going on a tangent. Basically, you could build Harry Potter World in 3D and then let people have this headset and then move around and there's always going to be a Dumbledore. There's always going to be Harry Potter there. There's going to be the characters that they know and love and they get to experience the real world, right? Like even yeah. though it's it's video, they get to really feel like they're there and they can use their hands to cast spells and they can actually fight against Dementors and, you know, they can roam through the halls of, you know, Gryffindor and like it's you can do so much more. Even if there's no real game to it, you're just like, hey, I've completely built, you know, the Harry Potter world, me and a team of artists, and we put some characters in there, and you can do a couple of spells here and there. Go have fun. Man, kids would go nuts. Yeah. Because that's the magic that the Disney World doesn't have is the, like, the actual magic element, right? They have the the ambiance. They have the environment. They have the feeling. 
but you put on the Vive and you give them the hand controllers and you tell them that it's a wand and then you let them cast spells, forget about it. Yeah. I, I feel like it's going to be, uh, like, speaking of Disney, and okay. funny that you mentioned that, I was going to bring up this article that's being shown off at GTC right now. So mm-hmm. ILM has a, a unit especially designed for you know VR and mm-hmm. like using Unreal Engine to simulate uh, their movies uh, beforehand on set mm-hmm. uh, for the actors so they can actually interact with the 3D environment they're okay. going to go in. Okay. I mean, we have friends that are working on these type yes, of projects. We do. And uh, one day maybe we'll have them on and talk about these things. But uh, it's the ILM X Lab, I believe uh, that's what they're called. But uh, we'll link this article uh, that's on Kotaku. But like ILM is creating a lot of VR experiences to, I think, at the very beginning to uh, in uh, to kind of like uh, what do you call it when it's, it's packaged with the movie, right? Kind of mm-hmm. like show the VR experience. Hey, Star Wars is hot right now, so they have a demo that shows you in Tatooine, like uh, with the VR vibe set yep. that's that's coming out, and it's just you just hanging out in the world just watching awesome stuff happen around you and this is the one one of the implementation that they're seeing you know ilm is being one of the the leaders of computer graphics so trust me like the movie industry is taking notice like they see the potential in this thing and they're gonna need the game developers <laughs> to fill in these sets yep. because uh yeah there is a technical um transition uh, when you come from movies to games and that gap is closing as far as yeah. skills and and what we can put on the screen. So well, what that means is potentially more jobs for game artists, at least. Definitely more jobs for the game artists, but it's <laughs> it's just it's cool, man. It's it's just it, it's gonna be more and more. Uh, you, you're gonna be game developers. All I'm hearing is gonna be more and more uh, indoors, <laughs> if anything. If that's even possible. If that's it's gonna be no, more in in into the computer, <laughs> just hanging out in these worlds. Because imagine that, man. I, I knew Oculus and Facebook. That's what they're trying to do. Like, right? what's the next stage of Facebook? It's just being in Facebook, going to these virtual malls, buying things. You know, mm-hmm. things coming at you. Like, just put on a headset, and you're instantly transferred uh, into like their world yeah. basically so imagine if companies utilize this and i i feel like they already are because it really just takes a second to get it um i see advertising movies all type of entertainment yeah. moving into this direction pretty fast yeah. like if cell phones weren't around since before 2007 like that's only a span of five years well i mean we're getting pretty old, actually. That's like eight Wait, hold years. On. <laughs> Cell phones have been around for a long time. Well, I mean, you like, mean like uh, the flat smartphones. Yeah, smartphones. Okay, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Sorry, I, I was phone. late to the party. <laughs> All right, cool, I was like, okay. Larry, man, check out this thing. Dude, I had my Nokia phone with Snake on it when I was in high school, dude. That was like 1999. Yeah, yes, yes. Okay, so all, right, all right. The smartphones have transformed uh, at least the gaming scene. Yeah in a big way uh the same way that technology has been very supportive of their adoption right a lot of people have phones now so Mm -hmm. every year they come out with technology to make it better the same reason why the headsets are just going to get better and better because people are going to be behind it this is legit it's not a virtual boy that just appeared and disappeared it's here to stay as far as i can see it and a lot of people are taking notice a lot of people with money 
especially mm. are taking notice and I think that's the biggest reason why it's it's just been it's just been finding an audience yeah now I will say this it's not all rainbows and butterflies you know it's compromise that moves us along no uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so one thing I didn't like was having the the predator cables attached to the back of my head. Yes. And you know, if the if the game experience is kind of incentivizing me to move around a little bit, it's hard to track where that thing is at all times, you know, because it doesn't right. retract right away. So sometimes it'll get wrapped around like parts of my leg and you know, it's then you get all nervous because you can't see if it's got enough slack to not pull your computer off the table or to pull the device off your head if you take another step, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um I really wish that that was not an issue. Uh, I'm pretty sure, maybe not this generation, but maybe second or third generation, the the broadcast power from the computer streaming to the headset will be good enough that the refresh rate won't, you know, be compromised at all. But hopefully, they get with Google and they throw a Chromecast in there, and like we get no headset or no wire headsets. Yeah, like wireless headset. Yeah, I'm sure, like they. Wireless. They that wow. Yeah. Was I struggling that hard? <laughs> Wireless. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's a prototype, basically, uh, that got refined. And I'm sure one of the, that one of the biggest complaints while they were prototyping is that big, big thing. Wait a second. This bundle of uh, wires. Keep uh, keep going. These bundle of wider wires, like that, that are following you while you uh, trying to walk around the space. So uh, I think that's the first thing that they'll improve on. As soon as next month's uh, Steam check comes in, <laughs> I like it. That's one of the reasons why I really like Valve and companies like Oculus being backed by endless, endless amount of revenue, uh, because they can put it into research projects like these that I feel that are just so, so industry changing. Um, uh, yeah. I, I like anything that makes developers excited. And, uh, and like little tweaks to, in the experiences where even if you don't have to go in there shooting with with guns and like chopping fruits and stuff like that, like you just being in a world and interacting in a very small way or just watching things go by is is already infinitely crazy and fun. Like I, I just feel like every developer will have amazing ideas that everyone would love to like participate in some way or another yeah man uh imagine so like you know the limited range that you can safely achieve like especially if you can sit down or just be stationary those probably are going to work the best given that the wires and you can't see but like with with the vive or with these 3d vr headsets you get this opportunity to go narrow and deep and that's not an innuendo it's like i'm being so imagine being a nat like playing gran turismo on my screen you know, and then I go into cockpit mode. I always hate, like, it looks stupid, right? I'm like, oh, this is, this is BS. I don't like it. But now with the Vive, it's a different story. Because if I look to my left, I can see out of the window on my left. And if I lean forward and then look back more, I can kind of see that there's somebody behind me. If I look in the rearview mirror, if I look at the front, if I look at the back, or if I just completely turn my head around, I can see that there's a, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's a whole different ball game when you're talking like that. So now I'm stationary in my chair, but I'm pretending I'm driving a NASCAR car with like my little VR steering wheel and I'm looking all around at all times and I can see everything around me, you yeah. know, completely different scenario now. 
even though I'm stuck in the cockpit of the car, that's exactly what you would be doing if I was driving Daytona 500, you know? Yeah. And you can load any car in there. I could race, you know, uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. if I wanted to, you know, God bless the dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could race anybody, but, like, actually feel like I'm going head-to-head with this guy versus I'm watching my screen and my fake car, my avatar, you know, bumping, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. off the track or, you know, mm-hmm. going head-to-head with Rusty Wallace or, like, skimming Jeff Gordon right before the finish line. Like, yay, I'm awesome. But completely different, though, when you actually feel and look like you're in that environment. It's a game-changer. Yeah. Like, uh, another game demo, of course, the Vive came in, like, seven, six, or, like, uh, eight different game demos that I have not yet tried. I only tried, like, two or three. There was a mini-golf one that was really awesome. Uh, one of the solutions that they they tried to tackle with the is the the you walking around right, so mm-hmm. you're very limited to the space. It has like a little blue line to to indicate what your physical space is, so you don't run into people or run into walls in the virtual world. So that's one of their ways of trying to get the player aware of their surroundings. But uh, as you're walking around <clears throat> and you hit the ball, right? Uh, it, one of their solutions to hitting the trigger button to transfer straight to the ball. So you're actually walking still in your physical space, but beyond your physical space, you just press the trigger button, and then you transfer straight to it. But it was just something as, as simple as mini golf, right? Like with all the sound and all the nature uh, things that are happening around you, it was really meditative. Yeah. Like I felt like I was really there. I was hitting the ball between my legs a lot of times, <laughs> and it was just it felt like I was really doing it. Um, but I can see it being very, very helpful mm-hmm. for people who are going under stress or, or just need to relax in some way. Um, I mean, a lot of people use video games uh, for therapy anyways, mm-hmm. but I can really see it like taking it to the next step. Like yeah. take a vacation, I'll meet you here. The one thing I do want to see them tackle, I haven't played too many multiplayer games on, on VR sets. I don't know if there is any right now, but... That would be interesting. Like if I could connect on PC and start talking to you guys in some way, I feel like well, I haven't experienced that yet. I can visualize what that might be, but um, as far as the game demos go, I have not seen that, and I'm I'm very curious, you know, how creative they can get with that. Mm-hmm. Like, is it as simple as me playing golf with you, or is it like, I mean, what we can do is like we have interactive demos, hang out. Uh, yeah. I guess the porn industry needs to get in on this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, to drive innovation. I'm sure it's like the multiplayer. <laughs> Why are they always heavy. the first to find out about technology? They, they're so quick. Now that I know firsthand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they, they usually adopt new technologies right away, especially if it's anything to do with video or experience type things. You know? yeah. So overall, dude, I... I feel like going back to to what we were talking about, you know, like GDC, if anything, a lot of people are curious about implementing VR in their future plan. Like they know it's an industry that's going to grow even within the next year. Like a lot of VR sets are coming out this year. Mm -hmm. Next year, by next year's time, a lot of movies, I I feel like they're going to slowly roll some experiences out. Mm -hmm. Because the Vive, the Oculus, they all sold out day one. Mm-hmm. So there is like a, a good hotbed of yeah. people waiting for experiences, waiting for things to come. And uh, if you're an indie developer, man, I think it's 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 great. It's a great new platform to at least yeah. get some notice. 
Remember when like iFart came out for the iPhone and it sold like three million copies? Yeah. Because that, it was like that can be you. <laughs> exactly. If you could make the iFart, the like minimal effort execution that just the you know, I don't want to saturate the waters with novelty experiences already. So strike that from the record. Make <laughs> awesome stuff. Don't make cheap stuff that people get pissed off about. Um I will say this though. The one thing that I could see really hurting the industry of VR development is parity between the systems, you know? So, like, different VR headsets have different features or different ways that they track or, you know, I guess give feedback or take information from the player's inputs. Different ones have different input devices that have different, you know... um, So, like, for example, the Oculus that I tried didn't have hand support. I think that's coming, though. Yeah. Okay, so at least they'll have that. But, like, the Samsung Gear, I don't think it has hand tracking or... Yeah, I mean, you really got to treat it like a separate console. Like they're, it's like the Microsoft versus the Sony. But at least, so I'm glad that you brought that up, though. But at least with those devices, right, you still have a controller that more or less has 89 to 90 percent parity, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Whereas with these devices, you may have, I don't, I mean, I don't know. But like, if you don't have hand tracking, then my software is not going to run on your device, right? So I'm right. already cutting out your whole entire market, like your whole customer base, if I use hand tracking. That's right, right. You just got to pick and choose. <laughs> I, I mean, like, if, developing for VR, like, one of the questions that are often asked for when someone immediately tries VR uh, and, and you never developed games before, it's like, how the, how the hell do I start making things for VR? I mean, the development behind the scenes is pretty much the same as, as anything else. You just got to think of it as a separate platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of just a regular game with controllers, you're, you're transferring the player into the VR demo. and you just There's certain things you got to you definitely have to keep in mind when you're building environments is that you got to keep things in scale, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of it, it's, get, it's best to have like a testing VR set right next to you. So you go in there and, and make sure everything feels correct. Um, but other than that, man, it's... Oh... I can't wait, man. I can't wait to create something, go on there. And even 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 uh, Unreal is developing ways to to make VR as part of your world building experience. Yeah, yeah. If you have looked at the, the, the few updates, you can go in the world and start placing things as if you were placing things like a giant. <laughs> I saw that demo. I It's really hacked. Yeah. But like, like the potential like imagine if I go there and ZBrush create something where I can actually sculpt my my stuff, or I'm I'm standing next to my Meyer model, and maybe I don't need to use the the hand controls. I can still use my keyboard and stuff. But like me walking around it and looking at it, there's great potential well, if the we start putting the development tools within it. I think the the industry of previs, not just for movies though, is going to be huge now with this VR. Because you know how they're always like, oh, can you give me a render of what this building is going to look like? And then they yeah. show the client the like image of the 3D render. Yeah. Or maybe they even spend a little more money and they're like, here, use your mouse and keyboard to quote unquote walk through your new mm-hmm. house. Right. How about you put on this Vive and you actually go through your entire house front to back as if it's scale to size and feel how your new home is going to be. You know, yeah. hey, you're building a new $20 trillion jet, 
you know, Mr. Government? Well, yeah. here it is. Go put your hand on it, quote unquote. Go look at it. Go look, pull it apart. Look at all the engine components. Put it back together. Like, you can, you can, and then you even said sculpt. Load up my clay app, which has this huge, like, bathtub-sized piece of clay slab that's standing vertically on the ground, and then start chiseling away as if you were sculpting in real life, yeah. you know? I'm serious about the Matrix, man. Like, yeah. imagine going to class and being hands-on with these type of things mm-hmm. in the virtual world. Yeah. Like, there's so much... There, it's going to be a dividing line. Like, people who are pre-visiting their house that they're going to build, or people building their digital house that they want to live in. Yeah. That's going to be insane. Like, second life, right? A lot yeah. of people are going to actually have... Third life, dude. Third <laughs> life, dude. Like, like people are going to want to to be sucked into a world after work and, and live out this life that they at first would think uh, unattainable, right? Mm-hmm. But they can be transferred and, and be, some, be something else, which is crazy and fun and scary at the same time. But like with enough self-control, I feel like you can balance that out and just there's so many different ideas. Yeah, but, man, it's, we could talk all day. But at this current moment, we need to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with more Game Dev Unchained, the podcast. All right, guys, so it's like this. Alden Fillion, the art director from Into the Stars, is going to be hosting our next Game School online GSO Live event. He's going to be taking questions and answering anything he possibly can to help students or professionals alike get information on getting into the game industry. And most importantly, he's going to be talking about the process of being the art director on a successful indie title such as Into the Stars. We're going to get a look at some of his workflows, get some tips and tricks, and lots of advice. It goes down this Sunday, the 27th of March, on GameSchoolOnline.com. It will be live, it will be aired, it will be shared. Hope to see you there. And we are back for the last 15 minutes of Game Dev Unchained, the podcast. And I always say last 15 minutes, but when has the podcast ever been exactly one hour? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know um, you like it. <laughs> hey, you know, we give you content and we don't charge you for it. So you'll have to forgive us for the time. You know, it could be an hour. It could be an hour and 20 minutes. But it's always free. Yes. So the last 15 minutes, we always do like the bag wrap up of everything yeah. um so as far as vr goes like if i'm a student or professional mm-hmm. you know unless you're a, a developer and your um your company actually have one of these like how how do i get around trying this this thing that you keep talking about uh i think your best bet would be at least to just get familiar with the experience i would probably start with uh Google Cardboard or <laughs> the Samsung Gear because those are, to my knowledge, the lowest price point entries for getting into VR. And then you can download some experiences for those devices just to wrap your brain around like what is coming in the future. Now, you may not get the same level of interactivity as you would get with the Oculus or with the Vive. Or, or yeah, it's, it's pretty damn good. You need, to, you need to have your mind understanding what full 3D immersiveness is. So start there is what I would say as far as experiencing it. Yeah, the Gear VR, you need a Samsung phone and $100 to, to get the VR set. So it's pretty cheap, but it's it's a great way for you to just go ahead and try it. Yeah. Uh, if anything, you know, go to the GDC, go to E3, try yeah. these demos. They always have it there. CES even, any technology type of conventions, they usually have it there for you to try. Like. 
it really, 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 uh, it's one of those things that you have to have to do yourself to yeah. fully understand the experience that we're talking about. It's, it's that fast. You'll get it right away. I have, I have yet to find someone who has tried it and said, eh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, maybe if you have like terrible eyesight or something like that and they just can't calibrate the little goggles for how you view, yeah. like that's it. Maybe a blind person, obviously. Yeah, Not to make it, fun of blind people or anything like that. I'm just literally trying to figure out who wouldn't enjoy, you know, 3D VR. Well, it's the same type of people when we uh, jump from 2D to 3D graphics and yeah. said, eh, I don't know about 3D graphics. Yeah. Well, but the, it, it, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, the people who refuse to accept that change was coming are gone. Like, yeah. You won't survive. It's just as simple as that. Yeah. So 2D to 3D and then 3D to VR. I mean, that's that's... It's not a console jump. Like it, it truly is the next stage of gaming, yeah. um, and it, we're we're changing the entertainment business as a whole. Like there's just so many implementations that we can go about with this. So get your hands on it through those ways. Uh, if anything, <laughs> just go on YouTube and start. The best way to look at how VR feels is just to see how people are with it <laughs> so even if you can't experience it firsthand you can at least see people's reaction yeah and i think that at least gives you 30 percent of what it could be yeah. <laughs> sorry but it's the poor man's way of experiencing something oh man my favorite was the guy in the mall who was doing like some sort of experience and then the guy running it like pushed him and he freaked out he was yeah. like oh if i can find it i'm gonna put it in the show notes if i can't find it forgive me yeah, like one of the things that I saw pop up uh, in GDC is the paranormal VR experience. Mm-hmm. The paranormal activity uh, movie license, they uh, made a VR experience. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Dude, I just want to, I want to play a horror game yeah. with VR, man. <laughs> I just can't wait for that. So, I mean, these are the type of things you can look up on, on your own right now. Like GDC uh, has a, like a humongous amount of events and news uh, and VR demos mm-hmm. that, that you can see and kind of get an idea. But it really is uh, only 10% of what it actually feels like if you're just watching a movie. Yep. So um, one of the other big questions are, like, um, if, if I want to start gathering a team to do something um, for this, I mean... Vive VR is on on pre-order sales right now. I, I would split it up and get one so that you guys have something to develop with. But, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I mean, do you have any other advice for for developers to get their hands on it? So one, uh, convince your studio to get involved. That because then you can get the it for free. <laughs> like I was, our studio has been like. Grabbing onto it because we have the Oculus at the studio and the Vive, and and like pretty much every every VR set because we we're always experimenting. But it, it's it's definitely one of those things. Like if your if your uh, if your studio has any indication of of interest, yeah, like point it towards their direction. Yeah, not only will they have top of the line computers, hopefully, but they'll also have the headset in the studio. So you'll have the shortest route between top of the line computer and headset is. Get your studio to get it and let you play with it. Oh man, it's yeah. just so awesome, dude! Yeah. 
Now, also, I will say this: uh, depending on what level you are financially, I mean, nine hundred bucks, you probably already have like a beast computer if you're working at any game industry and you're you've been here for like five or six years, depending on your job. Um, just get the headset, like simple as that. If you're interested, mark my word, the best one that I personally have tried thus far has been the Vive. I would buy three of them if I could. I'm going to buy one. They don't pay me for what I'm saying right now. I'm just that impressed. I really like it, and I'm excited to start making content for the Vive. And this is the guy who said, screw VR, because I've seen it, done it. I want AR. I completely am changing my song, and I admit it 100%. It's okay. I'm a man. I can handle it. It was dope, and I want to make VR stuff, and I'm going with the Vive. Yeah, like... uh Ditto. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, it's like if, if I think back on my career, like, um, you know, it was awesome going into the game industry, working on AAA games. Um, but I feel like this, this frontier is, is, is for the generation that, for us, like the, the guys who, who grew up. And it's something that we, we are a part of, really. Like the, the 3D graphics and everything was there. Before I came in the industry, yeah, like I was just carrying the torch. Yeah, but now I'm at a stage where I have enough experience, I know enough people to form a team, and this is something that's ours that we can help create. So it's really exciting to be at that stage to to help to help like really cement what our future is like in in the game industry. Like it's that it's that crazy when I think about it. It's like you, you can be a part of something that 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 will change the future of gaming. Yeah, man, I really wish we were popular enough that Vive was like, oh, here you guys go. Here's two free kits. You guys put your money where your mouth is oh, and make us something. Mark awesome. my words, I'm gonna start today, dude. <laughs> so give me a couple, maybe five, ten episodes. <laughs> Game Dev Unchained will have a headset. <laughs> Yeah, we got to, man. It's We got no excuse. When you look at the full loop of what we're trying to do with Game Dev Unchained uh, and us being game developers who talk a lot of shit about being good at it, <laughs> I really want us to make something on the vibe, and we need to start ASAPs. Yes. So, I mean, if there's anything that you guys want to add, please visit our website. Uh, we would love to comment on it. And uh, let us know, like, if you have any other way to, to get developers hands-on with these experiences, um, we definitely want to forward that message along. Yeah, and if you are just benevolent and care to sponsor Larry and Brandon developing on the Vive, feel free. <laughs> we encourage that, too. <laughs> yeah, throw, throw a cup of Vives our way, Val. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, Brandon, uh, you specifically, man. What do you think would be your favorite experience to make for the vibe? Like, is there something that you're kind of like, man, you know what? I I really wish that I could, you know, have Bloodsport in my living room, or I want to play Mortal Kombat from first person, or you know, like, is there? Do you have an experience that you would build if you were a vibe or a VR developer right now? I mean, one of the biggest things I grew up doing has been. Uh, this is pretty typical, but martial arts. <laughs> How did I know? Well, I mean, like, what's that saying? Like, every Asian knows kung fu, and uh, at first I was offended, but every Asian I've spoken to knows kung fu, man. <laughs> so I'm I'm living with the stereotype, but like Yo, that idea. I'm, I'm, 
I'm not touching that one. That's all you. <laughs> this is all me. So I'm taking the mic. Uh, but like, for me, the VR is exciting to me. It's like that that idea that you can teach someone something, mm-hmm. right? The the learning experience where you don't have that access to a facility or a learning environment, right? It's it's just beyond your cost, but you could just put on the headset and you're equal, right? I could show up to class and I can learn something. And so I'm very excited about the prospects of them improving their, well, maybe they have a multiplayer component, but I want to see what that experience is like because if I can, I can come to class as an instructor mm-hmm. and give you a physical space to teach you how to fight, to teach you how to make games, like that, that is very exciting to me because it is a step beyond Skype. <laughs> like, holy shit, man! Let's let's take just five extra minutes to talk about this VR dojo idea. Like, I can build my 3D dojo and invite students from all over the world to come into my dojo and see virtual representations of them in my class, and actually be able to tell, like, oh, hey, you did the kick wrong because I can see that your model has clearly done the kick wrong, or you yeah. can line up and actually do forms and poomsays with everybody. Yeah, and. As I get more students, I can like upgrade my dojo to make it kind of feel like I'm growing yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an I mean, awesome first, idea. I mean, the first demo for me would be like you know the VR uh, body pad or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Where it vibrates so that when you feel a head on your side, it vibrates a certain area of your body. So everyone would would go in the VR set wearing something like that. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be pretty lame the first one, but the idea <laughs> is like it's gonna evolve, right? Yeah. And you're gonna wear these little little sparring suits. Like to me, that's very exciting. Or, or like just simple, a simple thing like a laser tag, mm-hmm. like things like that. Like I, I'm very, you know, the first frontier being you interacting with the world is going to be awesome. Right? Mm-hmm. We're going to write that out, but eventually we want to see. All right, I want to share this experience with someone. So what is that? You know, be, you being plugged in and playing, say, laser tag or shooting in with another. That's awesome. But for me, educational wise, like I, I want to see how far that goes. Like yeah. if I could go in and teach someone something or someone teaching me something, it's just the educational front is is so awesome. Like it doesn't have to be anything physical. It can be just simply you're sitting in a classroom and like the best instructor in the world is standing in front of you yeah. and like interacting with you in some way. Yep. Like I I, I I I'm very excited with that that idea. I as a 3D modeler would love to actually just walk through my own museum of my best art. Yeah. Like <laughs> here are my greatest character models Look and I'm walking through a museum and like looking at my models from like all angle. I think like I think, Iron Man like going through his Yeah, Iron totally. <laughs> I also want to download 3D models of all the cars that I can't afford <laughs> yeah. and put them in my garage and just appreciate their beauty. I want to collect 3D cars. That's going to be the first thing I do when I get a Vive, just so you know. Yeah, it's a lot what like PlayStation Home, what they tried to achieve with their whole VR space, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you like MySpacing your, your – well, that's how old and outdated they were. They were trying to MySpace their home. Yeah. Right, so the the idea of you creating a virtual life for yourself and going in there and just just being someone else is part of the fun. I feel like mm-hmm. you can extend, you can be if you're awesome already, be yourself more awesome in the virtual space. But the idea that you can live your life, a second, third life, or whatever, mm-hmm. is is pretty exciting too. I I see that 
And I think Facebook is seeing that, and I think that's their main goal for Oculus, you know, next evolution of, of Facebook, um, which is great. Like, I, I love how these big companies, and that's, not, that's how we know it's not going to die. Like, these big companies are behind it. They're going to mm-hmm. push it. I mean, they paid billions of dollars for it, so they're going to definitely push it. With a B. With a B. <laughs> and it's, like, great technology. So um, I f- they won't be short of an audience. Um, but for me, like, I just like the idea that you can interact with people in a way that was very limited to, to, to just a 2D screen, mm-hmm. which is great, right? The, the video conferencing is awesome. It's definitely great. Uh, it's like the 2D to 3D jump for, for education. But like, yeah. if I can be Morpheus and I can <laughs> train some little Neos, dude, dude. Uh, because I've always wanted like a fighting like sim mm-hmm. of some sort. Yeah. Um, and uh, like, I just want to see that in the virtual world. Like, I, I would love to train. And not have to go anywhere. Yeah, that's the like. I'm not gonna lie, man. There's there's some brilliance to that. Like having a virtual dojo, I don't have to actually go and lease and rent and like run this 3D this real space, right? Yeah. I'm not paying the lease. I'm not paying the electricity. I'm not cleaning up the mats and making sure people don't get ringworm or whatever. It yeah. doesn't have that funky smell. Yeah, I can have as many students as I want on whatever schedule that they want. And they can still pay me real money, and I'm still giving them the same instruction. Now, granted, there's like a couple degrees of separation there, but more or less, if you're dedicated to this, you could actually give them a pretty good martial arts lesson yeah. you know, through the vibe. And why even have a real dojo anymore? Yeah, yeah. I don't well, know. I mean, I want that scene from the end of The Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Where he goes up on that that Chinese uh, that China palace or whatever, uh-huh. and he looks down and there's like a thousand students just doing the same form. I want those <laughs> students to be real virtual people, and I'd be up there and be like, "Bitch, punch left." <laughs> well, you know what? Hey, Brandon, go build it, man. Uh, you'd be the I know, first. I know it's very it. possible, yeah. but like, yeah, just you know the things that we're doing with Game Dev Unchained with GSO, like. The whole educational front excites me because mm-hmm. if everyone can just step into a, like a virtual room and we can just start talking to each other about things and it can be a great, instead of me like interacting with you as a game developer yeah. in a chat room, it could be me sitting next to you and be like, hey, let's discuss this thing. It just, oh. dude. Like if like, I look to you on the right and I see you, man, and we're just, you know, just cranking it out, it's awesome. Man. Brandon, I'm about to drop the quote that ends the episode. I think this is... With VR, we can literally make the world a better place. Oh, oh my shit. God. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Stamp that, man. Seriously. Put a C with a circle around it. <laughs> it's a Game Dev Unchained original. Yeah. With VR, we can literally make the world a better place. I believe it, man. Yeah. That's a great quote. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, do you have anything else to add to the VR conversation before we end it for the night and go hang out with all our friends at Wink Wink GDC? Hey, man. So uh, reach out to us. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want us to discuss. Mm-hmm. At some point in the future, we want to dedicate an episode to just questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so the best place to reach us is www.gamedevunchained.com, the website. So uh Tell us what you think, and we will respond to you.
Yes, especially if you're Valve and you want to... I'm sorry for the shameless plugs. I'm not going to lie. If somehow <laughs> me talking all this nonsense right now actually ended up being like somebody was like, hey, you guys were funny. Here's a headset. Like, go make some stuff. Holy shit. If not, I'll wait till like maybe five or six paychecks from now and uh, I'll split <laughs> it with you, Brandon. You put down 400, I put down 400 and we'll there do you this. Go. <laughs> there you go. Well, since I got the mic, I'm Larry Charles. I'm going to have a good night. Hey, this is Brandon Pham. See you guys next week. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.